coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. <laughs> Making history his story, Derek Izzy. All right, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. This is the November 1st edition of the podcast. As you know, we release a new show on the first of every month. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Our audience size is growing, and the biggest thing about that is all of you listeners out there telling your friends about the show. It's very important, and that's what keeps the show going. The show is only successful as the listeners spread it around and tell their friends and family. So I just want to thank all of you for doing that. And I want to thank you for visiting our sponsor websites. Whenever you go to these websites and use the codes from the Derek Izzy Show, that's how you generate funds that helps provide for the show. We always keep an updated list of the sponsors on the webpage DerekIzzy.com, and today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. Go to BlueApron.com slash Izzy to receive your $30 discount on your first order. I will speak more about Blue Apron later, but I want to thank the people that have signed up so far using the code. It's been very generous for us, and it's allowing us to keep this show going. Today's show is about one of the most famous athletes from the 1920s. You might have heard of him, but some of you may have not. During his time, he was able to break many records for the attendance of his sport and the money that was paid to the athletes of his sport. But this gentleman had a very storied life and lived through some shocking experiences that you never would have guessed would be attributed to him. Known as the Manasseh Mahler, this athlete got his start as a largely unknown athlete. Legend has it, he left his family's home in Utah. Coming from a poor family, he rode the rods to Reno, Nevada. Now I know you've probably never heard the term riding the rods before, but let me explain to you what that means. Back in the early 1900s, long-distance transportation was primarily done by train. Train tickets cost money. If you came from a poor family and needed to ride on a train, you probably couldn't afford to get tickets. People who couldn't afford to pay the tickets would ride the rods. What this means is that our special athlete held onto the brake beams underneath the train. So he basically grabbed on underneath the boxcar, and traveled to Reno, Nevada from his family's home in Utah. Picture someone doing that today. Granted, trains travel faster today, but still, just the thought of going underneath a train, that's not something someone today would do. But back then, it was a little bit more common. Generation was different. People handled the circumstances they were faced with differently. Back in 1915, 
This athlete competed in his very first boxing match. He won by third round knockout. Now back in these days, boxing rules were a little bit different. You pretty much either won by knockout or it was a draw or a no decision. Back then they didn't have judges. So you fought a specific number of rounds and if nobody was knocked out by the time those rounds ended, the fight was ruled a draw. But our athlete came from a troubled family. This is where he developed the strength and character. Now, keep in mind, he wasn't always a good citizen, but he had a grit about him. He had dropped out of elementary school before leaving home. Now, when he rode the rods, he was very young. He actually left home at the age of 16 with no money. Before he could get his first professional fight, he would go to bars and just fight people for money. Earning a living as a bar fighter really isn't the most lucrative profession, but it gave our athlete enough income that he could survive. As he started to compile professional fights, he had a brother named Bernie who used to fight using his name. The topic of our podcast, well, his name was Jack. But when Bernie became a professional fighter, he started using Jack's name. Bernie really started developing a following first before Jack had become well-known. During one of Bernie's professional fights, Jack was actually there. Bernie was almost 40 years old at the time, realizing that his age may play a big factor in who wins the fight, and feeling old like he couldn't actually win, he put in his brother to fight. Now the fight was supposed to be with Jack, but Bernie was Jack. So when Bernie backed out of the fight and inserted the real Jack in his place, the fans immediately recognized him. But they didn't recognize him as Jack. They recognized him as a person who they thought wasn't Jack. Now, if you're completely confused by now, it's okay. The first fighter was Bernie. Bernie was using a false name of Jack. Bernie's little brother, Jack, stepped in and took his place. So while Jack was there fighting under his real name, he was not the person that the audience expected to see. The audience expected to see Bernie using the name Jack. The fight promoter was outraged, but he allowed the fight to take place anyway. During the first round alone, Jack had knocked his opponent down six times, then two more times in the second round. Finally, in the seventh round, the referee actually stepped in and stopped the fight. Now, typically back in those days, the ref would never get involved. And those fights could go on until a fighter was completely unconscious or just couldn't move anymore. But the fight was over, and Jack walked away with his $100 in winnings. Jack continued to fight. Opponent after opponent, his vicious style just destroyed most of his opponents within the first two rounds. If you've ever seen any of the Mike Tyson fights... His style of fighting was very similar to Mike Tyson. He was a lot shorter than most of the other heavyweights, but he could walk through most punches, and he hit like a freight train. Back then, the gloves that the boxers used were a lot different. It was common for fighters to receive severe facial injuries during these fights. These were tough, gritty guys. One of the biggest fights of Jack's career, which broke all kinds of records, was against Gene Tunney. Now, the two of them had fought several times, but the record-breaking rematch 
was in 1927 in Chicago. The match brought in a $2 million gate. That's the admission they charge for the fans to see the fight live. The match was broadcast on the radio, and hundreds of reporters were there in person. The payouts were record numbers. Now, this was back in 1927. Gene Tunney received a million dollars for this fight, which in today's money would be almost $14 million. This was one of several controversial fights in Jack's career. This fight was nicknamed the Long Count. The reason for that is that shortly before this fight, a new rule was instituted. This new rule said that when a fighter was knocked down, the opponent must immediately go to a neutral corner. Now, both fighters knew this ahead of time, but when Jack knocked Mr. Tunney down, he refused to move to a neutral corner. This was not something he was used to. The referee had to physically move him into a neutral corner, which gave Gene Tunney extra time to recover. Despite this extra time, the fight continued. Tunney was able to get up by the count of nine, and you know a ten count is the knockout. He was able to get up by a count of nine. So the theory is, had Dempsey actually gone to a neutral corner, he would have won this fight pretty easily. Tunney recovered and was able to continue fighting. Now when Tunney knocked Dempsey down, the count was started immediately. Tunney did not move to a neutral corner. As you can see, this was a big fight controversy. This fight was known as the long count fight for this reason. But it wasn't the only controversial fight in Jack's career, or the only controversial event. Jack had a storied career with a record of 55 wins, 6 losses, and 9 draws. Some of the other controversies during his career led up to what made him special to this podcast. Midway through his career, the use of judges was actually something new. Judges became the fight deciders. If Jack was unable to win by knockout, judges were now there to decide who won each round and then tally a winner based on the results of those rounds. This did change the fight game and it also made it more controversial. During his career, he suffered one loss by knockout. It was a first round knockout. Heavyweight champion Jim Flynn was the boxer who was able to knock out Jack in the first round, but there was controversy. Several boxing historians believe that this fight was a fix and that Jack took a dive on purpose. Based on the way that Jack fought and how tough he was, it did seem very unusual for him to actually get knocked out, especially in the first round. And considering that that was his only time being knocked out in his entire career, that theory does have some plausibility to it. A year later, after this bout, Jack took on 17 more opponents, including a rematch with Jim Flynn. During their rematch, Jack knocked him out in the first round. This led even more fuel to the fire that the first fight was fixed. A year later, Jack was fighting Jess Willard, the world heavyweight champion, for the title. Jack was only 6'1", 187 pounds. Jess Willard was 6 foot 6 and a half, 245 pounds. You can actually see this fight on YouTube. It was a brutal fight. And, of course, more controversy. Accusations that Jack had cheated. There were rumors that he used plaster of Paris to wrap his hands underneath his gloves, thus causing him to hit harder. Several reporters said 
that when Jack beat him, Mr. Willard suffered a broken jaw, broken ribs, several broken teeth, and a number of deep fractures to his facial bones. Other reports failed to mention any real severe injuries. The report that came out in the New York Times mentioned swelling on the side of his face, but failed to say anything about broken bones or any severe damage. The Ring magazine, which was one of the most popular boxing magazines at the time, the founder and editor said that he was there when Jack's hands were wrapped and confirmed that there was no loading of his gloves. Some people speculated that he had a rail spike hidden in his gloves and that this rail spike fell out of his glove during the match and that if you watch the fight on tape, you can see something fall to the canvas after one of his punches. In addition to this, after the first round, Jack actually left the ring thinking the fight was over. This was also a rules violation, but Mr. Willard's corner did not complain. They allowed the fight to continue. Marred in controversy, Jack continued to fight on. After many successful fights, in 1921, Jack fought a match that made history. A crowd of 91,000 people came to Jersey City to see this fight. It was deemed the fight of the century. Live radio coverage made it the first nationally broadcast radio event in history. In the second round, it looked like Jack was in trouble. He had been hit with a hard right. News accounts reported that Jack exploded. Something inside him forced a comeback, and he unloaded 25 punches within 31 seconds. This comeback allowed Jack to win the match in round number four. Jack's last successful title defense was in 1923, with 85,000 people watching at ringside and another 20,000 outside that were unable to get in. During this wild and crazy fight, Jack was knocked through the ring ropes and landed on a typewriter outside the ring where a reporter was taking notes of the match. He was outside the ring for 14 seconds. However, the rule for knockouts did not kick in until 20 seconds after being out of the ring. He was able to come back and win by second round knockout. Finally, in 1926... In a big upset, Jack lost his title. A record attendance for this title fight was 120,000 people, the largest attendance ever for a sporting event outside of soccer and motor racing. It is alleged that after the fight, Jack returned to his dressing room, and when speaking with his wife, he told her, Honey, I forgot to duck. In his personal life, Jack had gone off to World War II, he had been married several times, been divorced several times, so his personal life was kind of marred with tragedy and controversy as well. He was a multi-millionaire from his boxing purses, but in 1929, he was broke again after the stock market crash. There were a few books that Jack had published. One of the books called Championship Fighting, Explosive Punching, and Aggressive Defense. It was published in 1950, and in this book, he explains where his knockout power came from. This book from back then, and even now, remains as one of the most recognizably accurate books in boxing. In 1954, Jack was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. In 1971, he recalled an incident. Walking home at night, he was accosted by two muggers. 
They attempted to grab his arms, but he broke free and knocked them both out cold. This story appeared in several newspapers, as well as in his autobiography. In the small town of Tonopah, Nevada, Jack had one of his most famous trilogy of fights against Johnny Suddenberg. After the fight, both men took their prize money and headed off to a bar to celebrate. While at the bar, a man approached them at gunpoint and robbed them of their hard-earned prize money. This is what brings Jack Dempsey to the Derek Izzy Show. Being robbed at glove point. Think about that. Two heavyweight fighters heading to a bar celebrating their winnings, and they're robbed at gunpoint. After his boxing career, Jack Dempsey remained active in the boxing community, and he remained active in Reno, Nevada, Tonopah, and a lot of the areas where he came up in his early boxing career. President Ronald Reagan referred to him as a champion who never lost his title in the hearts of the American people. On May 31, 1983, with his wife Deanna at his side, Jack was reported to have said, Don't worry, honey. I'm too mean to die. Those were his last words as he succumbed to heart failure at the age of 87. And now you know the rest of the Jack Dempsey story. Robbed at Glove Point was brought to you today by Blue Apron. Home-cooked meals where they ship you all the ingredients. All you have to do is get your family together. It's already pre-portioned, and you cook it using the instructions and pictures that they send you. All for about $10 a meal. If you want your $30 discount, go to blueapron.com izzy and sign up. I use Blue Apron. The food is delicious. They cater to any kind of dietary restrictions, and you get to choose your menu to customize it. Don't forget to tell all your friends about the show, and thank you for listening. Good day. Thank you.